You are listening to the Legal Community Podcast, hosted by Guy Remond and Dave Zampano, powered by Guider. Guider provides self-service online legal documents supported by your local attorney. Fast, affordable, and in your own time. For more information and resources, please visit guider.legal and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legal Community Podcast. I'm Lisa Rozier, joined today with Dave Zampano and special guest Kristen Belcher, who is the CEO of Guider. So, Kristen, welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, I thought it would be a good idea, Kristen. You know, so many people, you know, there's all these positions in companies, right? So, we're the Legal Community Podcast. So many times, there's these people in companies that no one ever sees, but they're so critically important to carrying out the mission and vision that a company has. Lawyers, they're always front and center. They're always out with their clients. They're always hands-on. But a lot of entrepreneurs and even entrepreneurial attorneys, not so much. So what I'd love to do is kind of talk to you about your experience as what got you to CEO status, what you've done in some previous lives, and what's happened since you've joined the Guider team. How does that compare? to some of the other experiences you've had in your life. So why, why don't you give us like a couple minute resume of kind of where you started and how you got to where you are? Great, Dave. That sounds awesome. I started as that annoying kid that asked why a thousand times and my mother would go crazy. And But I figured out that that would serve me as an adult, as a business analyst. So that was my first job out of college, was I was a business analyst with Electronic Data Systems, Ross Perot's old company. And I learned in that role, how to use my skill set and asking why in a thousand different places. And that allowed me to understand the business that we were working on. And at that time, we were building a software platform that managed and monitored assets. And assets, in this case, were technology pieces. So mainframes, mid-ranges, servers, laptops, all the way down to keyboards and mice. And we were doing it for large data centers. So we built that software to track and maintain all those assets and the locations of all those assets. And the only way to do that was to ask a lot of questions around what we needed, how we needed, why we needed, what was going to happen with the outcome. Got very quickly good at root cause analysis because when you solve for symptoms, you only solve the symptoms. So asking deeper dive questions allowed you to get to the root cause, which is actually where your problem statements were. And based on those problem statements, we could build software to then support the resolution of those problem statements. So in my ability to analyze root cause analysis and problem statements, we figured out then I became very good at implementing those things because I knew how they worked. And I moved into higher level project management type roles where my business analysis background was extremely valuable because when a project wasn't going right, I knew how to ask the questions to then make the product and project go the right way. All of that combined got me to a place where I became critical in a startup company that became a very influential disruptor in the financial service industry, 401k, 403b, IRA kind of market. We were the technology that helped digitize the transformation of rules-based money allocation. And without boring you to tears, we did that through asking all the right questions getting very detailed on what the root cause problems were and figuring out how to build software that 
reported those problem statements quietly in the back end where nobody saw it. But it became very influential in the 403B space, which is not-for-profit and union-based organization. If you don't mind me jumping in and asking you a question, with all of this great experience and having the ability to ask the questions of why, taking it all the way back from when you were a kid and implementing it into your career now, Talk to me about like your teams. Your, you know, you had to have a lot of roadblocks and times where you had to work with your team members to get them to see the why and help move the company forward. Do you have any examples on that? We do. The easy answer to your question of what about our teams? I think the one thing that you could consistently say about those teams was mindset. We all had the mindset that we could fix this. One of the words I've learned in my most recent history of career paths is everything is figure outable. Figure outable. Figure outable. It's figure outable. I love that word. It's definitely added it to the, the Kristen dictionary. But I think the point in that is that if you don't give up, there's an answer. Some answers are great, some answers aren't great. And one of the things we've learned with a valid positive mindset is that there's no such thing as failure, just lessons learned. And if you take those lessons and figure out what you did with it, how you move forward with what you've learned, it's figure outable. And so I think I think that's the key to our the successful teams that I've been part of is that everybody has that mindset that, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, oh whoops, that was a mistake. But we can do this because now we've learned not to step in potholes. Lisa, I gotta put her on the spot. This is the legal community podcast. I wanna uh, sorry to be a state person. What has been your experience now that you're in the legal space with this idea of figure outable can get done versus maybe not so figure outable and can get done mindset? What are your thoughts? What do we run into in the legal space? In the legal space specifically, I think there's a generalized, well-founded fear that we have to know a lot more before we make a decision right? Because of laws, because of litigation, because there are so many rules and regulations put on attorneys that may or may not be in other industries. So what I think is very interesting is that my background in financial services, we all know money is highly regulated. Where you put it, how you put it, what you do with it's highly regulated. And we were still able to move change throughout that entire industry. And in a very very substantial and scary way, but we did it. It was figure outable. I think the same is true in the legal industry. It's just, we have to find the right path that makes the majority comfortable with how we do things. It's going to happen. Change is inevitable. Digitization of anything is inevitable, but bringing those two things together on a path and plan that makes everyone as comfortable as possible is key to this entire situation. So I think the legal industry is no different than other highly regulated industries. We just have to present the argument that shows the least amount of chaos that will come with the change. And absolutely, it's going back to your your famous question, why? (laughs) So you have to, what we've discovered just being in the legal industry is some of the lawyers are had that future mindset, right? We talk heavily about mindset and they want to move forward and they can see the future, the digitization of law. And then you have other attorneys that just haven't gotten over that hump yet. And it's okay, but 
we need to sh- give him the why. We need to tell the story. Right. And I think as you continue to talk about it, specifically going back to your role as the CEO at Guider, you know, have you found that as you continue to talk and tell the story and, you know, using the digitization of law book that Guy and Dave wrote as a really good foundation to help shift that mindset, you're almost able to give them the why. So what would be, you know, in the legal industry that you're servicing right now, if you're talking to a an attorney that maybe isn't in the right mindset, what's that why? What's that why that's going to push them over the edge to see the future of the digitization of law? I think we need to dig into the difference between the fear of change and the fear of an incorrectable mistake or an uncorrectable mistake. And I think that's the difference. The fear of change is human. Fear of change is emotion. Fear of an undoable mistake is both human and business related, right? Especially for attorneys. There are significant consequences to the wrong decision. So I think it's digging into which of the two they're leaning towards. We at Guider know that we've done a really good job getting the ethics compliant, getting the legality of the digitization really well-founded in fact-based decision-making. So I think we need to examine the fear side of things more so than the actual business side of things and understanding where that attorney is in that spectrum of emotion and logic. Dave, you the a word Kristen just used was fear. And you as an attorney and being within a community of like-minded lawyers as well, what kind of fear do you hear about? You know, comments. One is when Kristen started, you know, she always asked why I thought one of the first books I read many years ago by Simon Sinek was First Ask Why. I think Kristen's mom put that in her crib when she was born, perhaps. Um, <laughs> and, really and, this, <laughs> and the second thing I remember is the word fear. And I don't remember who said this, uh, but it was always told to me that fear, F-E-A-R, stands for false expectations appearing real. And so if you think about fear as false expectations appearing real, it really comes down, I think, to what Kristen just said. And that is the balance between just outright fear for the sake of fear, because something's new, just because you haven't done it before, doesn't mean it can't be done. I mean, if I had a dime for every time someone told me I couldn't do something, you know, I'm a lawyer and I'm known in the industry as an innovator, right? Well, you know, lawyers don't really get a lot of high marks for being innovative because of fear. Now, here's the circle around fear is knowledge. Knowledge is the antidote to fear. When you understand, and again, I could tell you personally, being involved in the guider process, one of the first things that became critical was how do we not violate ethical issues with lawyers? And the whole issue came up with, well, just think about the first time a lawyer used a fax machine, right? The fax machines were, uh, oh my God, we can't do that. It's, it's a attorney client privilege. We're sending over, over these things. And so, of course, we all use fax machines. Now we email, but now, oh my gosh, your email's got to be encrypted and all these things. Yeah. So there's proper ways to do things. And I got to tell you, even in the process of developing things, especially in this world that we're in with cybersecurity and cyber attacks, and there are extra things you have to do. When knowing, knowing knowledge defeats fear. And I think that's the thing. And here's what I would say. Lisa, your original question to Kristen was about mindset. I want to take mindset one step further. 
And then I want Kristen's input on what I say, because I think she has a nice different viewpoint. She comes from a different angle. If you ask anyone, I'm going to make a bold assertion. If you ask anyone, hey, how's your mindset? They're going to say, I have a great mindset. (laughs) Okay. Everybody thinks they have a great mindset, but let me anchor mindset to behaviors because it's really hard to define someone's mindset, but it's really easy to define their behaviors. So let me give an example. If somebody comes to you with something new and your initial reaction is no, and with that high energy, no, can't do that, right? We can't do that. Okay. There is an indication that you're not an open mindset, that your mindset is not open to understand and be educated at new things. Because most things that come across us in our day-to-day interactions that are new, our natural reaction is to say no. The other one that is a word I know uh, Kristen has become very proficient at not using these words, nor allowing them to be used in the guider organization, is the word can't or but. When people say but, here's what I say. You say, yeah, yeah, that's really cool, but. When you say the word but, by definition, it negates everything you said before. So you say this positive thing, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, but. So you really say, no, that's not a great idea. So Kristen is, won't let anyone use the word but in the organization. She uses the word say and. So say, okay, that's a really great idea, and, and then express your opinion. And I think that goes to mindset. These are behavioral traits that we can actually look to each other and hold each other accountable and coach each other on behaviors that exhibit positive mindsets. What say you, Kristen? I completely agree, Dave. I couldn't, I couldn't have said it better myself. And I think that moving forward, change is inevitable, right? And there's the old saying that death and taxes are the only, you know, absolutes in the world. But I think there is one more that should go in there, and that's that's change. Change is inevitably going to happen in our world. And I think how you handle that is not only to your mindset, but also to your ability to move into the future. And I think that's something that we have to get everybody on board with is, and I can do this. And it's going to be difficult. I can see this change and it's going to be taxing, right? So it's those, it's that mindset of how to figure it out and how to move everything forward will really affect the outcome of the future and where your place in that future is or isn't, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. So Kristen, just circling all the way back in the beginning, just you gave us a little bit of a story about who you are as where you started off your career as a business analyst, and then you went into the tech industry, you dabbled in the financial services industry. So you really understood the security features and the you can't, right, make this happen. And then you disrupted that industry and you made it happen. And then here you are, you found yourself in another startup with the Guider platform as the CEO, and you're taking all of that great skill set and implementing it to build this product, the future, the team, and you're bringing it to the legal industry. So what do you see for the future of Guider? Taking all of your skill sets that you that you have brought to the table and understanding you know, what, what's to come. I think the future is awesome. And the reason I think that on so many levels is there are so many industries that have gone through change. And so many different places where people have been, it can't, right? It can't happen. And the other book, I think, today's point that my mother put in my crib besides why is don't tell me I can't, 
right? Because I'm stubborn enough to believe that I can. And one of the things that I know will happen is the future is going to change the way that everyone does business. Everyone now is becoming a tech industry company, a company within an industry that's a tech, right? So everybody's tech. Well, how do you do that in the legal industry? Well, change. And I think you can do it. I think it's a careful, very methodical movement towards the future, but the future will hold digitized legal practices in a very different way that they are right now. I think six months, you'll even see a difference. I think six years, it'll be almost a completely different picture than what it is here in 2022. And I think that's all good. I think that's exciting. What will be amazing is how quickly people stop the fear of change and jump on the excitement that they can be part of that really exciting, very different digitized future. I would go one step further, Chris. I think the laggardness, that's a word, of the legal industry has actually positioned it to be devastated. Let me tell you why. The non-lawyer self-help website did understand technology 10 years ago. And they started building the digital legal service platform without lawyers. Now, this is the key thing. This is the legal community podcast. What they basically said is, look, lawyers, you stay stuck in your old archaic ways. We're going to just go ahead without you. and We're going to become non-lawyers doing this. Now, one of those websites is boasting you're about that they're 5 million customer. And I always say this, customer is not client because they're not lawyers. So I think what you're saying is critically important for us as a legal industry to really step in and step up and say, again, I think one of the things I admire about what you're doing at Guider is you're taking those concepts of the huge self-help website, but you're actually restricting them only to lawyers so that it's only through lawyers, firms, law firms, that you can actually right. use this new technology, which basically levels the playing field, right, for solo right. and small practitioners. This is a tall task, but I think critical to maintain the integrity of the legal profession as we approach it in a digital format. What, what do you think about that? What are you seeing in your first year plus is being involved in the legal industry, applying your past experience with technology. Absolutely, Dave. I think the key to what, the key summation point or the key point I take from what you just said and that Guider believes completely is that we're not taking the lawyer out. We're adding the lawyer as a critical component in this. So the self-help site absolutely, you know, took out the ability to be engaged with an attorney whose expertise is in the area of law that you're looking for in estate planning and elder care. And I think that's key. We're bringing the lawyer in. We're doing it in a way that includes them and follows them and building a community around them. And the people that engage with these attorneys are getting an extraordinary level of service from these attorneys. We're just doing it digitally. Uh, that was beautiful. You just explained it perfectly. And for any attorney that's out there listening or lawyer out there listening right now, I hope a light bulb just went off because for me, listening to the way you said it, it was like, it was perfect. It, it's just, it's just. I, I think it's a perfect example of the word and, right? I yeah. the use of the word and. How do we yeah. bring technology and have it be a lawyer, not a self-help, but actually have it be a lawyer? And I think that's what you've done at Guider, Kristen. Just really created the space of and so the lawyers can be lawyers and be technologically advanced. I think that's it. Absolutely. Well, our, our time is coming to an end. And Kristen, I can't thank you enough for 
joining us today. Congratulations and welcome to your new position of another startup. And I should say you've been around for a little bit, but as the CEO of Guider. And I think for everybody listening again, you know, we are the Legal Community Podcast. We talk about the tech end of things, the legal end of things, and it's great to bring some business analysis to the conversation as well. So Kristen, thank you for your time today. Great conversation. And for everyone who's listening, you can always check out additional episodes by going to guider.legal and clicking on the Legal Community Podcast button. Kristen, just out of curiosity, if somebody listened today, wanted to get a hold of you directly, how would they do? Sure. You can absolutely reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm a huge fan of LinkedIn. I love to see all the information I can gather from LinkedIn, but you can also reach out directly to me at cbelcher at guider.legal. And for those of you, it's C-B-E-L-C-H-E-R at guider.legal. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Legal Community Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at guider.legal for more information and please review and share this show. We'll see you next time.